What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So, here I am live at 1.49 in the morning, 1.49 a.m. here on Boston College's campus outside. Had to record a quick episode to react to the biggest storyline in sports probably over the last week, even with Kyrie Irving being traded and Russell Westbrook. This tops both of those trades. Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets superstar forward, will be traded to the Phoenix Suns. And a blockbuster deal that'll send Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first-round picks and a 2028 pick swap to the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. So all in all, Brooklyn will be sending TJ Warren and Kevin Durant, getting back four first-round picks, a pick swap, Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, and Cam Johnson. It seems like Jay Crowder could also potentially be traded by the 3 p.m. trade deadline, which will be today. So just about 13 hours away or so right now. We're standing here at 1.51 a.m. So just about 13 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. And Jay Crowder could be yet on the move again by the end of the trade deadline at 3 o'clock. So I'm going to break down some of these players and some of the stats. Jay Crowder hasn't even played at all the seasons of Phoenix. He fell out of the rotation and ended up not even playing this season. But last year in 67 games, averaged 9 points a game, 5.3 rebounds, along with 1.9 assists, shooting 39% from the floor. Then you got some other pieces as well going to Brooklyn in that deal. You got Cam Johnson, who's averaging 14 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, and 1.5 assists, and 17 games played this year, making 16 starts, shooting 45.5% from three and 47.4% from the floor overall. Pretty good addition there. For the Nets, considering he's only 26 years old and can shoot the ball well and score some points for them, whether he's off the bench or in the starting lineup. Considering he started for Phoenix this year, I'm sure he'll be back in the starting lineup in Brooklyn. Then the Nets also received Mikel Bridges, who's the biggest part of this deal. 26 years old in his fifth year in the NBA, was a former 10th overall pick in the NBA draft in 2018. Five years in the NBA, overall averaging 12.2 points per game overall in his career, but this season, 17.2 points per game to go along, 4.3 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.2 steals, 0.8 blocks, shooting 89.7% from the free throw line, 50.3% from two-point range, 38.7% from the three, and 46.3% from the floor overall, making 56 starts in 56 games this year for Phoenix. That's a pretty good return considering he's young, 26 years old, and it seemed like with the Kevin Durant era, it was just bound to come to an end with the Kyrie Irving trade, James Harden being traded last year. Obviously, Ben Simmons has had all his drama around him over the past year or so as well. I think it's a good thing for Brooklyn just to rip it up and just restart. Rip it up and restart. You get four unprotected first-round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. Four unprotected first-round picks, a pick swap in 2028. Jay Crowder, who you could potentially flip for a draft pick before the deadline just about 13 hours away. And then you also get back Mikhail Bridges along with Cam Johnson. Two guys that are on the youngest side, 26 years old, that can help you. And if you look at the Brooklyn Nets roster, I mean, they have a lot of pieces that could be trade pieces by the deadline at 3 o'clock. Before Kevin Durant's traded, no one would ever say that you could potentially see guys like Joe Harris be moved or Patty Mills be moved. Those are two pieces right there that could be moved by 3 o'clock tomorrow in my eyes. Considering Kevin Durant's gone, this Nets team's going in full rebuild mode, even though they have some pieces that are coming back that can help them compete maybe in the East, maybe in a play-in team. They're not going to be a powerhouse contender like they would have been or should have been with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It just didn't work out with those two. And that's why I think ripping it up was the right idea for them. Ripping it up. And if you look at what they got back in return, 
They got Mikel Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jay Crowder, five first-round picks, a pick swap, and two second-round picks in return for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, both those guys being traded within a three-day window. Three-day window, you see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both getting moved. And it's not shocking at all, I guess, considering the whole entire era of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn was just a roller coaster. I think neither one of them really ever found their footing, only playing 74 games together and also only winning one playoff series, which, if you think about it, if you look at that team when they first went to Brooklyn in 2019, you probably wipe away the first year considering Kevin Durant was coming back from an Achilles injury, but you would have never said you'd only see one playoff series win out of those two guys, two superstars together. You would never consider any possibility that they would only win one playoff series in a four-season window. And I know they only lasted three and a half years together before Brooklyn ultimately decided to rip it up and just go in a completely different avenue, getting rid of both those guys. But still, at the end of the day, you'd never think that you'd see both those guys being moved in the same offseason within two days, two or three days, both those guys being moved. It's shocking, obviously. It just shows that at the end of the day, Brooklyn did not want to go on any longer with all the drama around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I respect that. I respect that this team wasn't going anywhere with both of those guys and all the drama they had around them. Talent-wise, yes, that team should have been a title contender, 100%. But it just didn't work out. Three and a half years in, they realized, okay, let's rip it up, get assets back, and start rebuilding. And they still have some good pieces around them. I mean, that team could still compete and, and, and be in the playoffs, considering the East. There's a lot of strong teams in the East, but they could still make it, maybe being an 8, 9, or 10. Who knows? But they're definitely not going to be a 4 or 5 seed like they could have been if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving stayed there. And that's just a reality. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I don't know how anyone could have seen this being a possibility three or four years ago when they went to, when they went to Brooklyn. I don't know how anyone could have said in 2019 that this could be a possibility. But that's just a reality of sports, right? It's a results business, and you have to show up and play. And both those guys had a lot around them going on, a lot of drama. Obviously, Kyrie had more of the drama than Kevin Durant. Durant did have some drama in there as well. He also was injured. But when Durant was healthy, he ultimately showed up and played always. But Kyrie Irving was suspended for his anti-Semitic comments. He had the whole vaccine situation. He didn't want to show up and play and just decide to skip games and not tell the team at all besides telling players and would go on Zoom calls on community forums. There was just too much drama around this team. I think at the end of the day, I think that's what Sean Marks and Joe Sy saw. They said, we got to just rip this up. They, we, we have to rip this up. Four years in, we only have one playoff series win from these two guys. But you get back a ton in return and a lot of draft picks, four first-round picks, and they're unprotected from Phoenix. And Phoenix is in win-now mode, and as a Clippers fan, that's not something you want to see. You don't want to see any team picking up an asset like Kevin Durant in the trade deadline. And I was shocked. I was just talking yesterday on my radio show about Kevin Durant saying, I think Brooklyn will keep him, even though they were shopping him originally. They were at least interested in offers. They weren't shopping him. They were listening to offers for Kevin Durant, right? And there were obviously talks about Jalen Brown potentially being moved. And now, with Kevin Durant being traded to Phoenix, you have to think Jalen Brown and that whole situation of the Celtics looking into Kevin Durant in the past week or so must have been true. Must have been true. Because you get at least somewhat of an inside source. Uh, there's you know a lot of people that talk around the NBA. People must have told the Celtics, hey, Kevin Durant definitely could be moved. I know there was a possibility in the reports that the Nets would be open to potentially moving him with how Kyrie trade going down. But sometimes you just say that just to field office and listen. But ultimately, if you're going to trade him, especially to Phoenix, and get all that back in return... The reports that Kevin Durant could have been moved to the Celtics must have been true. And the Celtics probably didn't want to part ways with Jalen Brown. I mean, there's no Jalen Brown in that trade between Brooklyn and Phoenix. Even though Phoenix gave up a ton to get Kevin Durant, still there was not a Jalen Brown in that deal. And I apologize here. I'm right next to the Combat bus. 
and the Newton bus here, both of them making their last rounds around the campus uh, before closing up at 2 o'clock for the night. But I apologize for the noise. But that's just what Brooklyn had to do was rip it up. And as for Phoenix, they're in win-now mode. And as a Clippers fan, that's what you don't want to see. The Clippers have been too complacent. They lost tonight to the Mavericks without Luka Doncic. Kyrie Irving's debut in Dallas gets the win on the road at the Clippers tonight. The Clippers just messed around too much. They were down too much in the first quarter. Played very sloppy. And if you look at how the Dallas Mavericks started out the game, they just could not miss. Dallas was up 41-25 to after the first quarter. The Clippers ultimately rebounded pretty well in the second quarter beating their 27-19 at second uh, quarter scoring. They really didn't get going, though, at all till the third quarter. Uh, found themselves trailing by one at one point. They never led in the game, though, and could just never close that gap being down one. They took multiple shots with the score being a one-point game in the third and fourth quarter. And really couldn't ever get anything to fall, and they were just settling for jump shots as they always do. And then you got the same rotational issues where Avica Zubats is in the, on the bench at the end of the game, and you have Marcus Morris in there. At the end of the game with Reggie Jackson getting minutes as well over some pieces that should get more minutes. I think Luke Kanat should get more minutes considering the Clippers love setting for jump shots and love missing them. Like Luke Kanat should get more minutes. Then you have Reggie Jackson turning the ball over. I love Reggie Jackson, but he's been very turnover prone for the Clippers. And he had a bad one tonight that led to a bucket uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll see what happens with the Clippers at the trade deadline. Obviously now just about 12 hours and 58 minutes to go. It's 2.02 already as I'm doing this. So... 12 hours and 58 minutes to go until the NBA trade deadline at 3 o'clock Eastern today on Thursday. So we'll see what happens. But I think the Clippers ultimately will be moving John Wall and he's expected to be bought out. I think that'll definitely happen considering he's been out of the rotation. I don't think he's really been hurt. I think it's probably been that the Clippers have been trying to trade him. And if they ultimately don't get to trade him, they'll end up buying him out and just letting him go free. And then you get Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, two guys that I think could potentially be moved at the deadline. I think Marcus Morris has been getting too many minutes at the end of games. Although I love Mook and I, I love the way he plays, he showed up a lot over the last couple of years for the Clippers. This year, he's just not been as great as he was in years past, and he's taking shots he shouldn't be taking. He's going ice cold from the floor. one of eight from the floor tonight. Just goes ice cold at times and has not been good on defense at all. I think the Clippers should consider moving him at the deadline, or at least if they keep him, giving him less minutes. I think for Reggie Jackson, I think he'll ultimately stay a Clipper since the Clippers don't have any point guard depth at all. If you get rid of Reggie Jackson and you buy out John Wall, the only point guard you have left is Terrence Mann. He's not even a point guard. He's you know really a shooting guard, small forward that plays point guard because the Clippers really don't have really much depth at the point guard position. You have Jason Preston, who's a G League two-way player uh, between the G League and the NBA, that he won't be getting more minutes just because they get rid of John Wall and Reggie Jackson. The Clippers have to go make a move, and maybe that could be Russell Westbrook. Maybe it's keeping Reggie Jackson, just figuring something out. Ty Lue has to get the, the, these things figured out. Teams around the Clippers are making moves. Dallas gets Kyrie Irving, which I still don't think he's going to gel as well with Luka Doncic as most people think. But then you get the Phoenix Suns going out and getting Kevin Durant, pairing him with DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, without even trading Devin Booker, Chris Paul, or DeAndre Ayton. They landed Kevin Durant without even trading those three pieces. So Phoenix becomes a lot more scarier now for that Clippers team, and, and that's what I worry about. The Clippers just have been too complacent. As much as I love Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, their win now mode is right now. Win now mode has to be right now. The win now window is right now, and the Clippers have to figure that out. They have to figure that out. When there's teams around you in the West making moves like that, and you have a team like the Denver Nuggets, who the Clippers have been struggling with this season, and you have those two pieces there with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going to Dallas and Phoenix, teams around you are getting better, and the Clippers continue to make the same mistakes every single night. Same mistakes every single night. 
whether it's rotational things where they the same rotational pieces getting minutes late in games like Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson when they really have been great in the clutch at all this year. I know in 2021 there were two really good pieces in crunch time for the Clippers, but this year's is not the same. And it's not even just that. The Clippers go ice cold from the floor. They go ice cold. They start games slow too. They start games slow and find themselves down by 12 to 15 points. Everyone knows the Clippers have runs in them. Basketball is a game of runs, and the Clippers love coming back down by 15, 20 points. But you just can't do that, especially this late in the season when you're dropping games and you fall from the fourth seed to the sixth seed tonight and lose the potential to get the tiebreaker over the Dallas Mavericks tonight with that loss. The Clippers could have potentially had the tiebreaker over Dallas, but losing that game tonight drops the Clippers to 31 and 27. Dallas moves up to the fourth seed in the Western Conference, and the Clippers fall to the sixth seed in the Phoenix Suns out of the five at 30 and 26, winning three straight games. Still, all in all, for the Clippers, oh, they're seven and three in their last 10 games. Things are looking up for them over the last 10 games, and, and they've been playing a lot better. But blowing that game last Thursday in Milwaukee, and then tonight being down by one against Dallas, and Dallas turned the ball over as much as they did, and the Clippers still couldn't get a win, it's just disappointing. Dallas turned the ball over tonight 18 times. 18 times. And obviously Dallas shot very well from the floor, 17-35 from three, 48.6% from three, and 52.6% from the floor. That's not going to happen every night. But the Clippers need more. They need to figure it out. And seeing Kevin Durant go to Phoenix is the last thing that that Clippers front office wanted to see. Because it shows Kevin Durant going there and pairing with Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker just proves that Phoenix isn't playing games. So the Clippers have to make moves. And... Who knows? I mean, if Brooklyn was so willing to just break things up and send Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving away within the same three- to four-day window, what does that mean for Paul George or Kawhi Leonard? Could they potentially be moved? At the end of the season, if the Clippers don't get to where they want to go and win an NBA Finals or at least make a great run and have some momentum going into next season, do the Clippers rip it up? Do they send Paul George and Kawhi Leonard away? I know the turmoil around Brooklyn was a lot worse, and that locker room's obviously a lot more broken than what the Clippers are dealing with now. The Clippers still seem to be together. One thing I love about the Clippers is even though you have John Wall not playing, and he's probably not even hurt, he's probably just waiting to be bought out or traded. You have John Wall on the bench. You have Luke Kennard getting DNPs. He didn't play in a lot of games over the last week or so, and even when he does play, he gets very limited minutes. And you have Robert Covington getting DNPs all season, which DNP stands or did not play. When you have three guys like Covington, Kennard, and Wall getting DNPs or just not playing because whether it may be injuries they list them at or they just don't get minutes or they get very limited minutes even when they do check into the game. When you have all three of those guys posting on their Instagram stories, when the clip is when they're posting a big play by Nick Batum hitting a big three the other night, or they're posting a great Paul George player, they're posting clip is win uh, Instagram posts or the clip is uh, Instagram account posts. When you see all three of those guys doing that, it shows the locker room's not broken because if the, these guys wanted out and they didn't care about the Clippers, they wouldn't be posting that. I know at the end of the day, social media isn't everything. I'm not saying it is, but they're supporting their teammates at the end of the day, and that's what I like about, that, about those three guys. Wall, Kennard, and Covington, they're still supporting their teammates, and that shows the locker room's not broken like that Brooklyn locker room was broken. Although Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were friends, and it seems like they both wanted the best for each other, and even Kyrie Irving just said in the post-game press conference tonight that he's happy that Kevin Durant got out of there. You had to think, though, there was some frustration there for a while. It seems like for the Clippers, though, there's not really much frustration. They're just waiting to flip a switch. And they did flip a switch, winning seven of the last ten games. And before tonight, heading into tonight, with eight and two in their last ten. But obviously the Clippers have moves to make now. With that deal going down tonight, Kevin Durant going to the Suns. The Suns got even better and a lot more scarier for the Clippers. And I still have trust in them. I still have faith in them. But 
And I still have faith in Ty Lue, but he has to figure out the rotation. And obviously the Clippers have some moves to make tomorrow at the deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Kennard's move, considering he only got about five or six minutes of action tonight. Robert Covington's been getting very limited minutes. John Wall obviously has been injured, but will be bought out or traded by tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I guess today at 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And Reggie Jackson can be moved to and even Marcus Morris. The Clippers could potentially look a lot more different by 3 o'clock Eastern time. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the real winner of that Brooklyn Nets trade, besides Phoenix obviously getting Kevin Durant, is the Houston Rockets. The Rockets have a 2023 Nets first-round pick swap, a 2024 Nets first-round pick, the Nets first-round pick in 2026, and pick swaps in 2025 and 2027. So overall, I'll just repeat that just to make it more clear. The Houston Rockets have three pick swaps from the Brooklyn Nets, 2023, 2025, and 2027. And then they also own the Nets' first-round picks in 2024 and 2026. So overall, Houston owns two Brooklyn Nets' first-round picks outright and then have three pick swaps as well to go along with that in 2023, 2025, and 2027. Obviously, Brooklyn gets back a good amount of draft picks tonight in that deal for first-round picks and also a first-round pick swap as well. Uh, but considering what the Nets could look like in three years, who knows? It actually could be huge for Houston, considering all that they got back in return for James Harden. Obviously, James Harden didn't work out in Brooklyn. The Nets went all in with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, and they could be paying for it for a long time if the Nets, three or four years from now, are getting top five to ten overall picks, but they can't even use them because the Houston Rockets own them. So we'll see what happens anyways. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.